Welcome to the Volunteer State, our podcast from the Knoxville News Sentinel. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside Adam Sparks. John Adams not with us today. Rumor has it he's off researching his third book, so uh, wait with bated breath over that. But uh, Adam's got no time to research any books because he's still covering spring football. It's winding down after Saturday's scrimmage. And Adam, after reading your coverage, I was not at the scrimmage, of course you were, um, but reading the coverage, I'm I'm thinking Joe Milton is a starting quarterback now, right? <laughs> Dazzling performance Saturday. Is Joe Milton QB1 again? Yeah, get, getting reeled in again to this narrative. Uh, as, as much as I want to try to escape it, it's kind of hard to get away from. Here's the thing. I think, what is this, nine months after Joe Milton came into our life, or really, I guess it's close to a year now since Joe Milton came into our life on the UT beat, uh, th- there seems to be these like two drastically different polar opposite takes on Joe Milton. And I think both of them are skewed a little too far. One is that, Joe Milton's got this unbelievable arm strength and all, it just looks great and he can do it. One day he can do it. There, there's very few in in the UT fan base that, that are along those lines, but there, that was the majority early on. Certainly the majority now is that uh, he can't do it. He started, you know, he overthrew like seven different deep passes that should have been touchdowns and he ran out of bounds on the last play against Ole Miss and the guy is not cut out to – to, to take snaps in the SEC. The truth, I think, that we're seeing more and more almost a year later is that it, it, it's in the middle. The The word that I keep coming back to with Joe Milton and even more so after the spring scrimmage is capable. He's very capable. Is he ever going to be a UT starting quarterback? I, I don't think so. I mean, not long term. Uh, we could certainly think about, you know, a a year from now when you have a freshman and a redshirt freshman or whatever competing and maybe Milton's still there, we'll see. But, you know, people, we tend to forget sometimes that Joe Milton was was a pretty accurate passer under 20 yards. Take the deep passes out of it. He's a very accurate passer. His arm strength was an asset in short yardage passes when he was playing. We forget that he had like a 50, 60-yard run in a game early last season. He can run. Um he's capable and what why that matters is that Taven Jackson is going to need to play to show that he's capable of being the starter the following year um Taven Jackson in if you just took Milton and Taven Jackson in the scrimmage and put them up against each other and said one of these guys uh is your backup one of these guys is a developmental quarterback it would have been obvious to 100% of people there which the, which one was which. And that's completely fair to Taven Jackson. I mean, it's not a knock on him. He's been – he's a freshman early enrollee. He's been in like, you know, 12 practices or whatever so far. He is what he, what he, what he should be, which is a talented freshman, has good arm strength, has good ability, looks like he knows what he's doing to some extent. Um can run the ball a little bit. Looks like a promising guy, but he's a developmental freshman quarterback who's not ready to play uh, just yet. Joe Milton looks like he can play and contribute if needed. There's just a there's a large chasm between those two guys, and it showed especially when uh, Taven Jackson was put in with the starters. Uh, about halfway through the scrimmage, uh, Taven Jackson was put with the ones against the ones, and he looked like he was a step slow, was having trouble picking up what he was supposed to do. The tempo was getting to him. Um, you know, he, he looked like a freshman and that's fine. But 
I think that's going to become more and more relevant when we get to the season, because if that chasm is still there between those two, if that gap is still there, then you have to play Joe Milton if a backup is needed. And so if Taven Jackson doesn't get playing time or much of it in the season, then when you get a year from now, you'll have Nico Yamaliava, that's my best attempt there, <laughs> coming as a five-star freshman. And Taven Jackson really won't have much skins on the wall to say, I've played and I've already done it in the SEC because he's he maybe not going to play that much. And by the way, Nico was there the other day and he's been at practice. And I think it's a pretty you know, interesting dynamic between those two guys that will probably compete for that may compete for the job a year from now that both of them are there. You know, you mentioned something interesting with Milton. You said he's he looks like he's ready to contribute because you go back to last season and and I know he he obviously had the the good preseason camp. That's why he won the starting job. But when the season arrived, it really didn't look like he was ready for it. And and part of that maybe goes back to he wasn't in spring practice last year. He was a summer transfer addition. Hendon Hooker was in spring practice with a couple other guys, Brian Maurer and Harrison Bailey who are no longer here, but now it makes sense why maybe Milton looks a little bit better. Part of the argument could just be this guy's a practice player. I mean, that was Jarrett Garantano throughout his career. You know, Jeremy Pruitt said he always looked good in practice. He always thought he was the guy for the job, but then, you know, too often when games came around, he didn't look like the guy. He was just one of those practice players. With Milton, I think he he quickly fell under that same label last year because he evidently looked so good in camp in August. He won the job and then he didn't perform in the season, but it could simply be that more time in the system, more time in the program has now got him to the point where he's ready to contribute. And it's worth noting, you know, we're talking all this stuff about Milton because, you know, backup quarterbacks are interesting conversation this time of year, but Hinn and Hooker look fine on Saturday, right? I mean, he had one smooth touchdown drive and then you stick him on the shelf and make sure your starter doesn't get injured. So there's nothing wrong with Hinton Hooker. Uh, jokes aside, he's, he's QB1, regardless of what I said off the top. But it is, I think, important for Tennessee that they see, hey, we might have a competent backup on our hands because last year, if anything would have happened to Hinton Hooker down the stretch, I'm not sure there was probably a whole lot of confidence in, in what would have been coming in behind him, which would have been Joe Milton. Yeah, yeah, and again, I, I don't want to fall into the trap of thinking that Milton is something that he's not. Uh, I think if you would have asked me at the end of the season, at the end of this past season, well, if Hendon Hooker goes down with an injury, is the season lost? I would say to some extent it would probably be. I mean, you would maybe have an, you know, an eight-win team or this next season would then turn into a, a five-win team with Joe Milton or something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not sold on that as much now. Uh, I I feel this pressure that I'm getting fooled again, like what you're saying that Joe Milton is a really good practice quarterback and he and he's fooled a lot of people before with all this athletic ability and arm strength and all these sort of things. But we we do have this notion and you hit on this a little bit. We do have this notion that we saw Joe Milton at his best last year because we saw him starting and with starters around him and uh, the receivers and all the offense that Hendon Hooker uh, utilized later in the year, Joe Milton had at his disposal. Um, it, I think it's more likely we saw Joe Milton at his worst uh, because he didn't have spring practice, because he was just sort of plugged in there and had a few weeks of the offense. And then we just, he was tossed into, uh, you know, into FBS games and did adequate at best. Um I think he I think he's he's better now because he's been able to sit back and learn and not have the pressure on him and understands the scheme and uh, he, he looks more comfortable 
in the tempo right now. So he's capable. I think UT has a capable backup um, who's who's not gonna who's not gonna run the offense like Hendon Hooker would, um, but can can do a few things. And the season probably will not be lost if Hendon Hooker you know missed a game or something because of you know some week to week injury. I, I have a little bit more confidence in Joe Milton now than I did. By the way, the deep balls. Uh, he threw like a 50 yard touchdown pass on a deep ball. Um, he, uh, he threw the, the best ball of the day he threw was about a 35, 40 yarder to Ramel Keaton, a touch pass down the sideline. And mm, sounds I, and, like quarterback controversy, Adam. That's what you're, that's what you're, uh, building up to here. A little quarterback controversy. Yeah. Now, you know, he did miss a couple of deep balls too. So I guess I'm saying his batting average on deep balls, maybe we think it's like, a. He hits about 200. He probably hits him more about 400 or 500, which is not good enough, but it's it's serviceable. And again, what does that mean for Taven Jackson? It means Taven Jackson uh, is maybe a better chance that he sits and watches uh, more so than plays. And maybe none of that comes into play because I think Tennessee probably has a few close games coming in the fall. So maybe the number two doesn't even really matter, but Hooker was great. I, the The first scrimmage was closed to us, but all the things that I had heard was that uh, it was it was sloppier at quarterback in the first scrimmage. Didn't look very sloppy with Hendon Hooker. He was seven for seven, ran things efficiently, and they pulled him out of there, and he was fine. Now, I, I will say there were not starting cornerbacks uh, to go against. There hasn't been all spring, and that's a, probably a bigger issue on the other side of the ball. Yeah, I want to get into to that more in, in just a bit. The, the Saturday scrimmage, as we know, was was open to a select group of people. Uh, you were in that select group. Congratulations. Uh, open to media, parents, recruits. But you know, it was a scrimmage out on the practice fields, Neyland Stadium under renovation. That's why it wasn't the typical orange and white game open to fans. You had you know fans that were on campus were able to watch the action on video boards, but it was not a televised situation. It was not a fans in the stand situation. Do you think anything was lost by that, Adam? I mean, do you, we, we see teams sometimes not have a, a spring game. Uh, some coaches I think really don't care for them with this scrimmage with fans, not being able to be there with it, not being played in Neyland, was anything lost or was it like, this is fine. If they want to keep doing this going forward, really, that would probably be fine. Um, you know, if the team is struggling, uh, I think sometimes it's it's better to have this situation. If the team, uh, there's a lot of optimism around the program, it's better to, to have a spring game. And so uh, if, if this became the norm, I don't I don't think fans would like it too much. I mean, uh, you know, you and I as, as sports reporters see all this sort of stuff and we do have access and I, I can get access to almost any practice to a certain extent. Uh, we take that for granted a little bit. I heard from a number of people, both before and after. I would have loved to have seen the guys. Uh, you know, all that you told me about the quarterbacks, I'd I'd love to have seen that and made my own judgment with my own eyes. The, uh, you know, Jimmy Callaway, the wide receiver, had like a ninety-five yard catch and run that was one of the better plays I've seen in spring or fall or anything. And people would have liked to have seen that. I saw one little leaked video <laughs> that, <laughs> that made on the social media, but for the most part, people didn't see that. And so people would like to see the team. And obviously the spring be back. Um, but, you know, you, you could tell Josh Hopple wanted the spring game to some extent because he's trying to sell his program. But 
uh, yeah, coaches would prefer not to have it, but everybody else does have it. So, so they'll need to have it in the future. I think it was one of those things where people excused it this year. But if you came out with the same announcement next year, there uh, people would not handle it well. Is what you're saying, Adam, that there are members within the Vol fan base that just don't quite trust you yet? They they read what you wrote. They know you were there, but it's like, you know what? I, I don't trust Adam. I'd, I'd rather just see it myself. I can I can hear people as I as I uh, give compliments to Joe Milton saying this guy again. Here we go again. It, talking about Dan Marino, Joe Milton again. Yeah, typical media building up <laughs> some right. quarterback controversies. <laughs> <laughs> Moving forward, as it's interesting that the spring scrimmage happened actually before the end of spring practice, but spring practice is is winding here to a close this week. So let's let's project forward a little bit. You've seen this this group throughout the spring and practices you saw them in the scrimmage what are some burning questions i guess some top questions you have entering the summer entering this this next leg of the preseason let's start with with your top question off off the top what's what's question number one do you think that you have for this team going into the uh, the summer uh, who's your cornerbacks um who are your cornerbacks it you know i mean we didn't see them Almost every cornerback of consequence did not uh, practice in spring because of injuries. Warren Burrell, who's a returning starter, who has has a little bit of questions. He didn't perform well in the bowl game, but he was out. Kamal Haddon was out. Brandon Turnage was out. Deshaun Rucker was out. You know, I, I kind of felt sorry sometimes for the DB coaches uh, because they were working with a whole lot of walk-ons. Um, yeah, we're working most of the spring with guys that are not going to play in the fall. And so – you know, in terms of cornerbacks, spring practice was mostly a waste of time. Hmm. Coaches, I, I'm sure, would not say that publicly, but it kind of was. You know, the small, the blessing in disguise maybe there is that uh, D. Williams, Desmond Williams, the junior college transfer, got a ton of reps. Uh, he's a cornerback. He's going to need to play. He had all the reps that he wanted. So if he doesn't pan out in the fall, you know, he, he should have because <laughs> he got so many reps. Uh, Christian Charles, who – He's mostly played safety, did as a freshman last year. Uh, he's even been looked at as uh, as other spots, as a nickel, those, those type of things, um, as star position. Um, he uh, he got a lot of work at corner, and I, I think that you could see him at corner in the fall because he got so many reps and he looked capable at the position in spring practice. So, But all the questions that I had at cornerback, which I think is the the biggest issue on this team in terms of uh, position, I had the, exactly the same questions coming out of spring because we didn't see any difference. And I think that means they could still go into the transfer portal to get one or they're just going to roll the dice in the fall and say, uh, you know, we believe we can develop these guys and, and find the guys in, in fall camp. And that, that's a pretty big risk if that's the way they, they end up going. Yeah, it's interesting. I think if you would have asked me on like January 15th or, or somewhere thereabouts, what's the biggest position question mark for Tennessee in 2022? I think cornerback probably would have been at or, or at least very near the top of my list. And then as you're saying, you know, that was such a, a position of question for Tennessee and we really haven't even begun to be able to start evaluating it. It's like, you know, there are certain positions that throughout the spring you feel really good about. And it's like, okay, if we don't have our full crop of guys, that's fine. We know what we're going to have in the fall. Uh, we're not worried about it. And, and, you know, in Tennessee's case, the position where they really needed to have some, some spring competition and uh, guys getting work, that's the position that they didn't have it. 
Yeah, and, and on the other side, I, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of positive. Uh, there's two open, but going into spring, there were two open positions at wide receiver. They used three wide receiver sets. Mostly Cedric Tillman is coming back, 1,000-yard receiver, That's so they've got that handled. The other outside wide receiver in the slot were the two open positions with uh, Javante Payton and uh, Valus Jones Jr. going uh, headed to the, uh, hopefully headed to the NFL. Um, I think at least one of those two is answered. I, I think Jalen Hyatt, who they had hopes for last year, could 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 be in the starting lineup. I, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's answered that to some extent in the spring. He's he's uh, you know, for one, he he's not having to play the outside. He's in the slot. They looked at him as an outside receiver last year. Could not get off press man coverage. Is not physical enough for that. Uh, his blocking was not good enough last year. They put him in the slot where he's not going to have to deal with as much. Uh, as much as up on top of him uh, just because of the position. And he looks like he fits in better there. He's also gained a little weight and strength. I think he's probably your slot receiver, and I think he's going to be fine. He's a guy that's caught balls in the in games before. He looked pretty good in the bowl game, had a touchdown catch there. So I think of the two questions at wide receiver, you've answered one of them. The other one is up in the air. Again, they could go in the transfer portal. They've looked at a couple of options there. Jimmy Holiday was looked at as a possibility in spring. He may be there. Uh, Ramel Keaton, serviceable, but I think they've got to be better than that at that position. So of the two questions of wide receiver, they've answered one of them, I think. I think they're probably going to need to go into the portal to get the other one. Um, there's There's been some, you know, uh, optimism around these freshmen because they do have four freshmen in camp. Um, I'm, I'm not sold on those guys getting into the rotation. Uh, right away uh you know all four of them really three but maybe four of them you could say there's been they've had some good days um but i think most of what we've seen from those freshman wide receivers is that they're promising that they have potential that they have upside but none of this that i would necessarily say would equal to them being in the rotation uh during the season and by the way all this talk of up tempo and needing a lot of guys in the wide receiving core josh hopple typically has used three wide receivers i mean there's been a fourth, fifth guy that sometimes has got in there, but you're, you're not rotating guys in when you're running at that tempo. So it's three guys, and then there's a, an immense drop-off to the fourth guy. And that's Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt, and TBA for the third receiver. Why not uh, Why not Jimmy Callaway? I mean, he had the play of the I, – I know we, we have too much tendency to – as media, as fans, whatever, we make a lot of these spring games, or in this case a spring scrimmage, and, and we shouldn't – we shouldn't do that. So it shouldn't just be based on one play. I get it. But this is a guy that's been around the program for a couple of years now. He, he did have that dazzling play on Saturday. Why? Are, what are his chances to get in the starting lineup? It's a big, big question mark for a number of reasons. Uh, one, he's probably going to play in the slot. And I just mentioned Jalen Hyatt is in the slot. So, I mean, this receiving core has an abundance of slot receivers and not enough outside receivers. Outside receivers being guys with size um, that can get off of press man coverage. Um, you've got more undersized, quick guys that can play more inside. And that's that's good for this offense. But, again, if you're only going to have three guys in the field at the same time, you can't have, you know, three or four different guys that play the same position. So Jimmy Callaway is probably going to be in the slot. That means he's behind height. So that's one knock against him. The other one is, you know, you, you hear these buzzwords with coaches of, well, Jimmy Callaway – you know, has a lot of playmaking ability. He lacks consistency. He's inconsistent. He needs to work on his accountability, um, his practice habits, his work ethic, these types of things. 
uh, trust. We need to trust in Jimmy mm-hmm. Kelly. You know, so these are things that, you know, follow Jalen Hyde a little bit last year, but you don't hear those things about Hyde anymore. You still hear, hear him some on Callaway. Jimmy Callaway, the other day, again, caught a ball that almost could have been a safety. He was going to be tackled around the goal line. Instead, shook one guy. This is in the spring, the scrimmage the other day. Uh, shook off about three or four other tacklers, reserve, reversed his field from the left sideline to the right sideline, and then uh, outran the defense of the end zones, like 95 yards. He can do that. If you remember last year against Pitt, he had to come in and caught uh, one pass on like a slip screen, made three guys miss, and took off like 50 yards for a touchdown. He has that ability, and that ability kind of needs to be on the field. So they're going to have to try to find a way to get him in there but again, if he's playing the slot, he's going to have to supplant Jalen Hyatt. I just don't know how that how that quite works out. The, the best case scenario is Callaway's on the outside and Hyatt's in the slot or vice versa. I, I just don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case, though. All right, so we've, we've addressed a couple questions here. Tennessee still has to figure out its cornerback situation, has no real answers there, although Warren Burrell has, has gotten some a significant playing time the last couple seasons. Finding that third wide receiver, that's question number two. How about one more? Third, Another question you have here going into uh, the summer. Do they have all the answers on the offensive line? You know, we get caught up so much into this. How many starters do you have returning? That sort of thing. Um, but they have four starters returning of five offensive linemen. So you would think that's not an issue at all but they don't have that extra tackle. They don't have one of their tackles. They're looking in the transfer portal for that. I think they've got four solid starting offensive linemen, and there's a drop-off of the fifth guy. You may even see some people move around to try to figure that out. Um, I'm a little worried if they have to go, if, if a guy gets injured, and, and guys will get injured. They did last year. They do every year. Um, I, I think there's quite a bit of a drop-off, but from those first four to five, six, seven, eight, um, you know, Dane Davis was out with an injury. He's sort of a just a filler guy, utility lineman. They had to move Jerome Carvin to center because Cooper Mays was out. Cooper Mays had in, injury issues uh, since he's gotten here. Um, plays hard, but has had injury issues. They tried uh, Addison Nichols at center. That's been the big experiment with the freshman class. Uh, Addison Nichols was the highest rated um, recruit of this group. Physically looks like he can do it. Um, he played tackle in high school, was projected more as a guard in college, and they moved him to center where he has never played in his life. And he, he was not good at center the other day, nor should he be. He just picked up the position a few days ago. Uh, a lot of bad snaps, having trouble with the scheme. They put him there to to maybe be the backup center. Best case scenario, if Cooper Mays is hurt, they can plug in their talented freshman uh, lineman at center. And, and see if that works out, and they won't have to move other guys around. But I, I think it points to a bigger problem, which is uh, they don't feel like they have as many options on the offensive line, and they're trying to figure out some combination to get their best five on the field. And right now I don't think they know who their fifth best lineman is. And if they can't go get somebody in the portal, that's probably going to be a pretty big problem in uh, in the fall. So I guess what I'm saying is, I mean, all three of the issues I just mentioned can be somewhat solved in the transfer portal, uh, but that remains to be seen if they can if they can figure that out. Yeah, it's interesting with the portal because there was such a flurry of activity in like December, January, and and we've talked about on this pod before that Tennessee was sort of intentionally quiet 
um, during that period. But now, as you come out of the, the spring practice sessions, there's going to be a second active period I hear. I, I don't think it's it's going to, to match the level of activity nationwide that we saw in terms of transfers uh, in the winter, particularly with like headline name, household names like Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler, etc. Um, but I think you're going to have guys across the nation, you know, maybe they thought they were going to be a starter and they didn't like where they're at on the depth chart in the spring. Okay, they hit the portal or um, you know, maybe they weren't fitting in with a new coaching staff. You got new coaches, maybe guys stuck it out, didn't transfer in the winter, decide to give it a go in the spring and they, they stick around. What it sounds like you're saying in, even though Tennessee was quiet this winter, they're probably not going to go wild in the portal, um, you know, here in, in May, June, but they might add a couple pieces to address specific needs. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, and we have to look at scholarship numbers a little bit. I think the idea of them trimming a lot of scholarships uh, for the season because the NCAA case, uh, I think that's that ship has sort of sailed. Um, you know, there's sort of some fuzzy numbers in here where I, th- I think Tennessee claimed to have, which r- rightfully so accurately to speak of, but that they cut scholarships in the spring semester. So they're like they're at 80, I think, right now in spring practice. And so they didn't have 85 in spring practice. Well, who has 85 in spring practice? Yeah, that's um, a heck of a self-imposed penalty. Well, we cut <laughs> we cut back on our roster in the spring. We well, don't play any games in the spring. <laughs> right, right. So they had what well, they were at like 72, I think, uh, aside from super seniors last season. So, so I guess they cut 13 there. And so they've they I guess their self-imposed would be if I'm reading this right, that they did not go into the portal and sign extra guys in January when a lot of other people did. They're, 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 they're waiting until, yeah, this next wave comes through. So if that's self-imposed and to some degree, then, then that's what it is. Um, you know, I, I, if they're around 80, I believe they're at 80, then I don't think they're going to be at 85, but I wouldn't be surprised if they, yeah, they add two guys, maybe three guys. I mean, best case scenario, a wide receiver, an offensive lineman, and a corner. Will they get all three of those? I'm I'm not real sure. But they could use all three of those guys. And I don't even know how necessarily I would rank those in terms of importance. I I do have some confidence that they can make wide receiver work. I I think Josh Hopwell has shown that he could plug guys in and make that offense go if you can catch the ball. You know, corner, they have a lot of numbers there. But again, we're not going to know until we get to August if, if those guys are serviceable or not, because there's some big question marks on every guy that I named, including Burrell, the returning starter. I think at offensive line, they're just going to have to be better because if they're not, that, you know, that fifth lineman is going to be exploited. And I think we saw that in the bowl game. I just want you to know, Adam, even though I was not at the scrimmage on Saturday, I trusted your coverage. I don't feel like I needed to see it after reading your coverage, after you talk, talking to you here on the pod. I feel like I was there, and that's that's good enough for me. So, I mean, that's um, the goal. That's the goal. If you can paint the picture, and I, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I, now I believe everybody that read that coverage will now say Joe Milton could could start for any SEC school and, and win. Um, and uh and you know and jimmy calloway is the is the second coming to carl pickens i think we answered that absolutely sounds good a little little spring hype uh we'll we'll offer some more thoughts here coming out of spring practice uh next week until then thanks for listening to this edition of the volunteer state